Hello, folks. This is Chopping It Up with CJ. I'm your host, Chris James, and this is season two of Chopping Up with CJ podcast, episode eight of Fantasy Football Fridays, except I'm doing it on Monday, November 14th, 2022. Now, why am I doing it on that day? Honestly, because it's my show and I do whatever the hell I want to. If I feel like doing a Friday show on a Monday, gosh damn it, I'm going to do it on a Monday. If I feel like forgetting all about doing rankings for the week prior, because I'm busy doing other stuff, gosh dang it, I'm going to do that too. But, look, really what happened is life just got in the way, and I'm okay with that. I got to enjoy a weekend, actually relax for once. For those of you all who know me, know that I am pretty much the Energizer Bunny. I keep things going and going and going, but at some point in time, you got to just stop smell the roses, or in this case, just watch a whole lot of football on your couch, on your big-ass TV, and chill the F out. So, back to the matter at hand. This is Fantasy Football Friday, because that's the moniker, that's the name of the show, even though I'm doing it on this Monday. So I want to do a little bit of a special episode. See, I'll still do my normal cadence of Fantasy Football Fridays as far as giving you rankings and outlooks for the upcoming week. Still going to have that in the toe. But, because of where we are in the Fantasy Football season... And what's coming around the corner, I want to give you all some tips and tricks and things like that. So, I'm going to do a couple of different things on this episode of the show. Number one, the week 10 slate of games just happened. I'm going to give you my overview, my thought process on each of them. Just a quick nugget uh, for some. Some might be a little more elongated in uh, the level of time. Dedicated. So, I'm going to do that. I'm going to then discuss trade etiquette. And then from there... I'm going to discuss what you should be looking to do as the trade deadline approaches in most leagues, including some I'm in, and your outlook for the rest of the season. All right. So without further ado, we're going to go ahead and jump in here. Uh, Just to let you know, though, on the way in, you can check out some more of my football related content on Twitter. Uh, My handle is at CJ Florida nine. That's at CJ, the entire state of Florida spelled out in the number nine. Um, So without further ado. This is episode eight of the Fantasy Football Fridays. All right, so we're going to go in order. The Monday night game has not happened yet. So I can't give you that, but I will start with the Thursday night game that was played here in Charlotte, North Carolina, the place where I currently reside. And it featured the Atlanta Falcons playing against the Panthers. My overview prior to the game, I said for the Falcons, do not play Marcus Mariota. Do not play Basically any Falcon. You had to play Kyle Pitts. I said, do not play Drake London. I said the defense could be a good play here. Um, Wrong on Drake London. Um, He wasn't an excellent play, but he did score a touchdown, did get some targets. And the weather did affect a lot of the game. So their defense actually didn't do well. I actually lost the league. Um, And the end of the day, it didn't matter because uh, C.D. Lamb went off yesterday. But their defense didn't do well. On the Panthers' side, I said, yeah, you want to play Dante Foreman. Um... DJ Moore was a play for me. It didn't work out well. And he also had uh, the defense. Thought that was a decent play as well. This was not a fantasy-friendly game. The defense did really well for the Carolina Panthers, better than I thought they would do uh, in this particular matchup. But at the same point in time, I can say this. That just wasn't a fantasy-friendly game unless you had Dante Foreman, uh, who had better numbers than I thought he would have. I thought the Falcons' defense would kind of load up on it, especially considering the conditions and the Falcons' defense just... They look kind of defeated. Uh, so good for the Panthers. Good for them getting the victory uh, for uh, interim coach Steve Wilkes. And, I mean, they don't look like a team that 
is going anywhere from a playoff perspective, but they look like a team that's going to be frustrating to play against because they're going to keep hitting you in the mouth. Um, fantasy football going forward from this game. Um, we'll discuss the Falcons a little bit later on, but basically you're riding the fact that they have to eventually throw the ball to Kyle Pitts, right? And this Drake London thing is an interesting thing. It depends on the matchup, but honestly, Drake London's not someone that you're going to be playing outside of maybe in a flex situation or if there's a bye week uh, or two left on your schedule. And Mariota, Mariota's a toss-up, more of a, a super flex uh, type play. The Panthers do have some uh, fantasy viable pieces uh, that they have along the way. And that goes with Dante Foreman. This guy is uh, carrying carrying the, the workload as a running back, and Chuba Hubbard might be a thing of the past. And then you look at DJ Moore. I think he's still a play here. I mean, again, it was rainy conditions out there. I think if it was normal circumstances, they would have thrown the ball a lot more to him. They try to get him some quick targets. And that's how you tell that a coaching staff wants to keep a guy involved because they know how talented he is, even if the circumstances don't agree with getting him the ball. It was a rainy game. Foreman was running the ball well, especially from the second quarter on. So they didn't need to try to get him the ball, but they, they showed that they have an investment in him. So I think from a fantasy perspective, uh, he'll continue to get targets moving forward. Now let's move on to the Sunday slate. And I'm going to start off with a game that really pissed me off because, hey, I happen to be a fan of this team and they are in the dumpster. Kudos to them. Four, moving up in the draft to take Chris Olave. I like him as a player, but you traded away all the first round picks, including one that's probably going to be a top five pick with the stink job you keep putting out there. And that's the New Orleans Saints. They traveled to the Pittsburgh Steelers to play against uh, Pittsburgh to play against Steelers. Uh, fantasy outlook from this. So we know what we're going to get from Alvin Kamara. Alvin Kamara is going to function like he did with Drew Brees because you're going to get checked down Charlie Andy Dalton, who's out there throwing the ball in this game. The Steelers decided to take that away and make sure that this was on the shoulders of Andy Dalton. And Andy Dalton was the guy he is. This is not shade of Andy Dalton. Andy Dalton is a good backup quarterback, a spot start at this point of his career, and he plays like it. Wide receiver, Chris Olave, very similarly. He is going to be, especially when they have those indoor conditions, a force. He's going to get at least uh, eight targets a game, if not ten, each game, especially when the game script calls for it, which will be every game moving forward. Because Michael Thomas is done for the year. And Jarvis Landry is in and out of the lineup. Not really much more to glean from this, except you can get a sneaky play with Juwan Johnson. He's starting to become more of a force because, hey, funny part, former wide receiver. So, guess what he can do? Run routes, catch the ball. It's it's a natural fluid thing for him. Taysom Hill is a thing of the past. And the main reason Taysom Hill is a thing of the past is I think the Saints are in panic mode right now. And they're not trying to run the offense that they should run with Andy Dalton under center, which is the same one you ran when Drew Brees was no longer Drew Brees. That should be the Andy Dalton model. You're not going to play the game that you want to play because you took the quarterback who could actually do that stuff out of the game. On the opposite side, oh, and the Saints defense? Um, the Saints defense looks broken. Uh, part of it is because they don't have a pass rush that can generate anything because they traded up for a guy that honestly should have never been traded up for, Mark and Dap Marcus Davenport. They have a guy, Cam Jordan, who is playing his tail off, but he's just long in the tooth and can't be the same guy anymore. And they're not getting much uh, other stuff out of that. They picked up some guys and made some decisions on the back end, including getting rid of two really good safeties. One because he was being a clown, and the other one because they didn't want to pay him. And brought in Tyra Matthew, who does not look like the same guy, and Marcus May, who I'll be shocked when he actually plays a whole game. Basically, I'm saying the Saints defense is play at your own risk. Um, as far as the Pittsburgh Steelers, some interesting developments from this game, even though I still don't think Kenny Pickett is that guy. 
uh, they look to get the ball a little bit more to Deontay Johnson. I think moving forward, if you have Johnson, things are looking up for you because the targets are going to start to be there. He's going to get probably eight per game. We thought George Pickens would take over as the number one because they seem to be this connection with him and Pickett. I think they're going to start to lean more into Deontay Johnson and get back to normal. Najee Harris, this is concerning. Harris is starting to not really split carries, but it's more of a 65-35 with, uh, with Warren. The biggest problem is he looks more efficient than Najee Harris right now. People, Najee Harris is not Trent Richardson. Please stop it. But that's what happens when you get uh, certain people in certain positions. So Najee Harris is not trustworthy right now. If you have him, you probably are playing him as a flex, if anything. And it's really concerning because he was either a late first or early second round pick for most of you. Um, and the Pittsburgh Steelers defense could be a sneaky play in some weeks moving forward, but because they're getting pieces back, but they're just not the, the, the unit you're used to. Uh, next game, the 9 a.m. game or 9.30 a.m. Eastern Standard Time game played at Germany. Seahawks outlook. Don't panic about Kenneth Walker. He's going to have these games because Kenneth Walker tries to make more out of plays sometimes than he should against a good or fast defense like he played against the Bucks as far as a fast linebacking core. Crap doesn't work. Hit the hole, get up the field, stop trying to dance around. So if people are panicking on Kenneth Walker, go try to trade for him and get him. I don't think that most people in your leagues will be doing so. Um, th those pass catchers, if you have either, you're very happy. Um, and Geno Smith. Geno Smith, get this out of the way and say it real quick. Uh, in, in a group chat that I have about football, I said Geno Smith is not good. Here's where I'll sit with Geno Smith. He was not good in that moment, and he played a lot better throughout the game. But some people are going to get mad about this. Others, I really don't care if you get mad about it. Geno Smith is basically just Kirk Cousins. The difference between Geno Smith and Kirk Cousins is one guy was lauded and given a lot of money, but was overrated in Kirk Cousins, and the other guy was downgraded, denigrated, and treated like he was trash, and that's Geno Smith. They're the same quarterback in a lot of respects. It's, I mean, you don't have to say my opinion's fact, because it's a damn opinion, but just go look at it. Alleviate your minds of your own preconceived notions about who these people are, and just notice, both are pretty good quarterbacks, especially when the conditions call for it. They both panic in pressure situations. They both turn the ball over when forced to make quick decisions, not because they're dumb, but it's just because whether it's having small hands or just the pressure of the moment gets to them, they both fumble the ball for no reason sometimes and will throw an awkward interception. They're both pretty good NFL quarterbacks, above average NFL quarterbacks. Neither is really good. Neither is trash. Feel how you want to about it. So from a fantasy perspective, Geno Smith, probably want him going forward, even though he's got some tough matchups coming up. Uh, as far as the Bucks. Here's what we learned about the Bucs. Nothing feels good about anyone on the Bucs team from a fantasy perspective. Uh, oh, and Seattle's defense? Eh. Here's why I say nothing feels good. Bucks defense? Mm. Eh. Um, tight end? Eh. Tom Brady? Eh. I think this is like his first game with two touchdown passes. Like, it's insane how bad like things have been this year. Um, let's look. If you draft the Leonard Fournette in the third round... You're pissed because guess what? Rashad White's going to keep getting burned. He might not be the leading rusher every week, but he's going to get more burned. If you have Rashad White, good things are possible because that means he's probably a good flex option for you and even a fill in weeks 13 and 14. We'll get to that uh, a little bit later. As far as the pass catchers, eh. If you have Mike Evans, you got to play him. If you have Chris Godwin, you got to play him. That's all we learned. All right, moving on to the next game, the Vikings versus Bills. 
Now, I'll talk more about this game when we get into Make Good Mondays, but quick fantasy overview. If you have anyone on their team, either offense, you feel really good about it. I don't care who the player is. Even Devin Singletary got some carries yesterday. And to be honest, he'll probably get some more going forward considering the weather and the losses when they try to force Josh Allen to do every freaking thing on the field. Take some of the pressure off that young man. Hand the damn ball off more. Uh, Ken Dorsey, stop being pathetic. <laughs> Come on, man. Hand the damn ball off. <laughs> oh, my goodness. Again, Vikings offense, who are you not playing? Maybe Alexander Madison because he's the backup. But any starter is starting. Even Adam Thielen is still a flex-worthy play. You didn't draft Adam Thielen to be a wide receiver one, two, or even three, to be candid. If you did, better be a deep league. As far as their defenses, the Vikings defense is going to be afloat for you. The Vikings defense has been getting away with being opportunistic from a fantasy perspective. Go look at the stuff. They have one of the best defenses in fantasy football by the numbers, but they're not a great defense. But they put you in stress situations. And down the stretch, they'll be able to continue to put people in stress situations because their offense is so good. Buffalo defense, uh, still playing them. If you can pry a Buffalo defense away from someone who's panicking, uh, go ahead and do that. Okay, next game. Uh, Lions and the Bears. On the Lions side, you want Jamal Williams moving forward. DeAndre Swift, if he's on your roster, don't give him up. But I think they're going to have more of a split than you would like in that scenario. Pass catcher, Samara St. Brown. Till further notice. Jared Goff, streaming option only. Uh, on the other side, you have a league winner if you picked up Justin Fields. I did in two different leagues, and I think I'm going to win both now because Justin Fields is losing his doggone mind. And in one of those leagues, my team was actually good. It was just the quarterback sucked because it was Aaron Rodgers. Um, the other players, Khalil Herbert's a good flyer in deeper leagues. Uh, David Montgomery, if you can trade him away right now to get some better value, I say go for it, and I'll actually talk about that a little bit later. Uh, as far as the pass catchers, Claypool's not going to be anything. He'll probably be a good daily fantasy play. Uh, Darnell Mooney, he's a, a possible flex option in a deep league sometimes. Cole Komet is becoming a real tight end. That's something to look out for. He's now had so many touchdowns over the last couple of weeks. I don't even have the number in front of me. I think it's like five in the last three weeks or four weeks. Uh, a couple of two touchdown games. So good for him. Uh, that guy looked like he was struggling at one point. Mentally, I mean. Uh, as far as the next game, the Broncos and the Titans. This one seems super easy. There's one player that's fantasy viable on the Tennessee Titans, and that's Derrick Henry. There's one other piece that's fantasy viable on the Tennessee Titans, and that's their defense. They can be a streaming option that's worth your while if you play in a league that, do, that, that just takes advantage of teams that keep teams from scoring. And that's what Tennessee does. On the other side, the Broncos, their defense, definitely fantasy viable. They get after the quarterback. They're a really good defensive unit. They also get sacks. Otherwise... I want nothing to do with anything on this team other than possibly Greg Dulcich, who did nothing yesterday. This team is a mess, and in the offseason, they need to try to figure some things out, move some pieces around, because this is pitiful. Now from a game where we talked about no one to talking about multiple people. And this is the Jaguars and the Chiefs. I'll start with the Jags. The Jags situation is very opportunistic for, for folks uh, looking for fantasy gold. Uh, they have a player at each position that's actually worth your while to consider down the rest of the stretch. Starting at the quarterback, we'll get a little more into depth on the schedule left for the Jaguars, but Trevor Lawrence is a good quarterback to have on your bench or as a super flex quarterback. You don't want to start him, but there's some weeks, especially if you don't have Josh Allen or Justin Fields or Patrick Mahomes or Lamar Jackson, 
where you might have to think, do I want to play, um, just making this up, Joe Burrow, or do I want to play Trevor Lawrence? That's a real conversation to have based on the schedule uh, when we get to that. Uh, Travis Etienne, he is a play every week going forward. They have a week 11 bye, I believe, so they're off next week. But, ooh, we'll get into the schedule uh, a little bit later. Uh, wide receiver position, Christian Kirk, a guy that you want to play. He's a definite wide receiver, too, at this, at this point in time uh, with a wide receiver one upside. Um, and Zay Jones is even a wide receiver three slash flex guy, depending on the league size you're playing. Uh, tight end, Evan Ingram gets in the end zone again. Evan Ingram in a tight end wasteland is a top 10 tight end this year, and the talent's always been there. On the other side of the ball, the Chiefs are the Chiefs. Patrick Mahomes playing. Running backs, stay away from them, but put Pacheco on your bench if you can. Um, wide receivers, Juju might be a good week to, to trade for him because Juju's probably going to be out next week, and if that's the case... Juju being out, then somebody's probably going to be desperate and you can get Juju for a discount. Um, I'm not trading for any other wide receiver except for Kadarius Tony, who say what you want to about him. The dude has some clown behavior stuff that happens with him. That is its own thing, but we're talking about fantasy football and the dude can play football, period. But from a fantasy perspective, yo, the things that they can do with him on the field, if you saw it, he is basically Alvin Kamara light as far as like his size. But I think he's better at avoiding tackles than Kamara is. Like he is absurd as a football player. You just gave Andy Reid that dude. Good Lord. Tight end, we know what Travis Kelsey is. Uh, you're not touching either of these defenses. No one should ever play either of these defenses for the rest of the season. Uh, ever, ever, ever. All right. Browns Dolphins. Game that in real life I got way wrong because I thought the Browns would actually be able to impose their will and uh, after the first quarter uh, they disappeared except for Nick Chubb um, speaking of that's one of three players that on that offense you're going to want and by the way as crazy as this is going to sound you don't want the guy that's going to be coming back after the Texans game uh, you want Nick Chubb on your roster possibly Kareem Hunt if you have a situation where I'm even personally looking into it getting the backup for Nick Chubb who might miss some time but it doesn't look like so he will this year uh, fingers crossed knock on uh, fake wood um, Amari Cooper who he can Amari Cooper his way to some fantasy gold for you and David Njoku when he comes back because of tight end but also he's looking good you don't want Deshaun Watson because I don't think that they're going to let him throw the ball enough to justify it with other quarterbacks balling out the way that they are, even when he comes back. On the Dolphins side, man, touch anyone in this offense. Maybe not the tight end in Gusecki, but Waddle, yes. Hill, hell yeah. Tua, hell yeah. Running backs, look, whether it's Jeff Wilson Jr. or Raheem Mostert, both are going to have some level of value. Good goodness. That whole offense is cooking. And the defense, meh. All right. From a game with a bunch of guys that seem like that they're fantasy uh, viable to a game with no fantasy viable players except for the running backs on each team. And that is the Texans and the Giants. Damian Pierce. For what everyone, well, for what some people say in a negative fashion about him and for what others say about him in a positive fashion. I feel like it's really in the middle. People who say, oh, XYZ about him, to be honest. Man, the dude gets yards, and he's holding up against the pressure of playing with a mediocre offensive line in some respects. They have a couple of good pieces, but nothing really like to write home about as far as like being one of the top five or ten offensive lines in the NFL. No threats at the wide receiver position because the only threat is not being utilized. Why? And that's Brandon Cooks. Because the damn quarterback is still playing. 
And if he's still playing after the season, the fix is in. Something's wrong. Um, but Damian Pierce, better running back than some say. Not as good as Draft Twitter wants to say. He is not Saquon Dan Barkley, who played in this game. And Saquon Barkley lead his way to a Saquon Barkley output. Daniel Jones. We've discussed this the whole year. Daniel Jones is not an NFL star, is not a fantasy starting quarterback. Okay? He is not. He's a great streaming option. But as guys come up with bye weeks, there are 10 to 12 guys that weekly are better than him. And now that Justin Fields is on the, the radar, that Trevor Lawrence has used his legs a little bit more. You know, Daniel Jones slots down to like number 15, 16, 17. They don't have many wide receivers to throw the ball to either. Darius Slayton is an interesting flyer. Put him on your bench. I had him on my bench in one league where I could have used him, but it really wouldn't have helped. I still would have lost, um, <clears throat> to be honest. Um, and then other than that, I do like the Giants' defense. I think it's a very uh, interesting defense to play, although their schedule down the stretch looks terrible for that defense. So they're a good streaming defense because they play good defensive football. But at the same point in time, I had to play the Eagles twice and this and that. I think they have to play the Cowboys again. It doesn't look good for their off, uh, for their defense. Which, by the way, whew, shout out to, 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 to town and country Daniel Jones. I posted that picture on my social media earlier. <laughs> oh, it just makes me laugh and giggle every time I think about it. All right, moving on to the next game, which was a very interesting one. Um, the Indianapolis Colts and Joffrey Sunday got the job done. Their new head coach, or, or Jeff Saturday. Oh, yeah, I'm sorry, Jeff Saturday. Um, they got the job done with a W. Jonathan Taylor's back to doing Jonathan Taylor things. I've been trying to coax Jonathan Taylor out of a dude in the league for the last three to four weeks, and the dude wasn't budging, even though he's like, I'm going to finish last with Jonathan Taylor because I don't care. And I was like, that's a smart move because you don't want to give me Jonathan Taylor and have me with Nick Chubb sitting there with Josh Allen and Jamar Chase when he comes back and cancel Christmas on that league. But Jonathan Taylor finally showed up. The offensive line finally looked viable. Matt Ryan is still an NFL quarterback. I mean, he's not really good anymore, but he's at least an NFL quarterback, spot starter, however you want to position it, because Sam Ellinger is not, should not have been drafted, in my opinion. It goes to what I was talking about about a month and a half ago on the show, when certain people get drafted, certain people get passed over. Anyway, Colts looked like a solid team. Guys that you want. Fun fact, the dudes you wanted before, Michael <laughs> Michael Pittman Jr., uh, wide receiver 2-3, with uh, some upside, depending on who's playing quarterback. And if it's Matt Ryan, he's got some upside. Um, John Taylor, he's still an RB1. I know he hasn't played like one this year, but he went number one overall on average in all formats and platforms. Yeah, he's viable. Um, defense could be sneaky depending on the matchup. On the other side, the Raiders are the best worst team in the NFL or the worst best team in the NFL. However you want to say that, I might be getting it wrong. They are too talented to be this sorry. And Derek Carr, for all you want to say about him, and I've called him underrated, and this year he hasn't played like it. I took from his press conference, I saw on uh, the Four Letter Network, that people were like, oh, he's calling people out in his locker room. Nah, bruh, it did not sound like that. It sounded like he's calling out that coaching staff. And maybe I'm wrong. But the dude was talking about how tough it is for the guys who have to practice and how it has, like, they have to work their tail off to get to practice and all that. That sounds like he's talking about people who don't actually practice, i.e. the coaching staff. Yikes. But from a fantasy perspective, that's the team that you want. You want Josh Jacobs on your roster. He is a low-end RB1, high-end RB2. 
and he's played like a high-end RB1 for stretches this year. Devontae Adams, you're still going to be starting him. The only dude that's on a milk carton is Hunter Renfro. I have no clue what happened to that dude. Uh, Matt Collins is still going to be a, a, a receiver four slash flex guy, depending on the matchup. Darren Waller, if he's ever healthy again in his NFL career, will be a tight end, but you're sitting him on your bench for now in your IR spot if you have one. Uh, neither of these defense I want to play. I would take the Colts defense over uh, the, the Raiders by far, even though the Raiders have one of the best. Max Crosby has to be losing his mind, by the way. Good Lord. Oh, and uh, the final piece to talk about, Derek Carr. Uh, Superflex League, yes. Um, in general, no. Although there might be a, a tasty matchup or two later in the season for daily fantasy with Derek Carr because his price point is going to go lower and lower and lower. And you you stack him with uh, Devontae Adams and, whoo, buddy, might be cooking with grease that week. All right. <clears throat> this is on to the later games. That was the 405 game. The 425 games. We had the Cowboys and the Packers in the... I want to discuss more uh, Make Good Monday, but is it possible that a team both lost the game and got jobbed? Like, the Cowboys actively tried to lose that game, and then the referees also assisted them in losing that game. Because that was a poorly rough game at the end. Honestly, it looked bad. And I was rooting for the Packers, quietly. Because I like chaos sometimes, and when I don't have a dog in a fight, I like chaos. So it was chaos to watch this team come back, even though I'm not a big Aaron Rodgers fan. And, ooh, buddy, saw the Cowboys do stupid things, right? But also, yikes on the holding call and even bigger yikes on the pass interference call missed. Yikes, yikes. Ugh. Um, fantasy perspective. Here's how I look at the Cowboys, honestly. If you have Dak Prescott on your roster, you should hope that you have another quarterback on your roster. Do not drop Dak, though. Unless you need the roster spot. Like, if you have... Okay, I'm making this up again. Even though, no, this is actually one I have. If you have uh, Dak Prescott and Tom Brady, you keep Dak Prescott on your roster. You do not drop him because there's going to be weeks when Tom Brady has bad matchups and also he's not scoring enough. If you have Dak and um, Justin Fields, I think at this point, if you need the roster spot, you can drop Dak. Okay? Um, Just simply because... It is what it is. Or let the bye week happen, as it may be, and then we'll figure it out after that. So once the bye week happens, you can drop Dak if you need him for the playoffs to fill a spot. So Dak is Dak. Dak's staying on your bench if possible. He's just not startable yet. He's got to get into a group. they got to figure some stuff out. Um, it's pretty simple to me at the running back position. you got two strong flex options. Um, Tony Pollard's not the guy that you all in draft world keep saying he is. Uh, 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 fantasy Twitter world. Uh, fantasy football world um, you're making him out to be Saquon Barkley and I'm speaking only from how you're like he's this explosive that and he's got so many holes in his game as a running back that you're missing them from the fantasy perspective just to fill the fantasy perspective as an actual football player no reason for him to ever be a third down running back until he learns how to block and also how to assess and get out into routes right he doesn't do that well at all next thing that he doesn't do well He'll hit the hole. He bursts through it, but he misses the hole more often than he should. He's not yet that high-level running back that you all want him to be. Flip it to Zeke. Zeke is doing all the football stuff right. He's just older and beat up comparatively. 
Zeke finds the hole. He just can't hit it with the same uh, zest and fervor as a guy like Tony Pollard when he actually finds it. Zeke picks up on third down. Zeke, when he has to pick up and then release, does it properly. Zeke does all the football stuff better than Tony Pollard. It's not close. Tony Pollard is just younger with fresher legs and faster. Sorry, fantasy world. That's the football side of it. All right? So you want both. They're both flex options. I have no Tony Pollard shares, but I have a couple of Zeke shares, and I will be starting him as a flex. All right? Because when he comes back, that game yesterday showed me they need a guy like Zeke because they didn't trust Tony Pollard, who did get stopped a couple of times. Don't make it seem like Tony Pollard, every time he touched the ball, was getting 10 damn yards. They need a dude who can actually find a hole, hit it, get him four yards sometimes instead of getting zero yards and making it second and 10 instead of second and six. Wide receiver, CeeDee Lamb, going to be that dude for the rest of the year. There's no other wide receiver. Michael Gallup? Nope. It's not going to happen this year, folks. I'm sorry. He might even get a huge game this year. He might have a three-touchdown game. Unless you're playing best ball, you don't like Michael, Michael Gallup on your roster. He's not going to do anything for you. 12-team or more, maybe. But 10-teamer, absolutely not. Uh, tight end, Dalton Schultz. Dalton Schultz is going to be a top-seven tight end for the rest of the season. Dallas Cowboys defense. You have to keep them on your roster, but this looks ugly. That upcoming schedule, they're not going to be good. Like, they were getting you points off of turnovers and sacks. They're not doing that right now. If that's the case, then what do you do? Packers, super simple. Aaron Rodgers, very similar to Dak Prescott, almost the same as that guy. You don't want to drop him unless you have better options, which, yes, in the league, I had to drop him because I picked up Justin Fields. Guess what? I'm not mad at all. All right? But they're better when Aaron Rodgers, it's a super weird construct with more opportunity that's usually better for fantasy. But in this particular situation, less opportunity is better for the quarterback production. If Aaron Rodgers has to throw the ball a bunch of times and it's just from shotgun and he's just throwing the ball, honestly, you don't want him. Not this year. Not with the pieces that are in place. Because a lot of the inefficiency of the offense, and this is any offense, but this one specifically, were cleaned up by Aaron Rodgers Ball, ball placement and Devontae Adams knowing what to do and where to go and it clean up a lot of stuff. These younger receivers don't know that stuff. Aaron Rodgers, frustratingly, because he's frustrated and it's frustrating to watch, gets pissed off about it. So the best way to do it, play action, get balls over the top, get balls into space to these guys. That's going to cut down the production as far as like the amount of attempts for Aaron Rodgers, which usually spits in the face of fantasy football. You want more opportunities. The running backs, you want to own both, but only start one. Aaron Jones is a, a low-end RB1 uh, type guy in a PPR formats. He's a mid-end to low-end RB1. He's a high-end RB2 in uh, non-PPR formats. Uh, A.J. Dillon, A, if anything happens to Aaron Jones, A.J. Dillon is an RB1. And otherwise, he is a flex. And they need to start utilizing him more to continue to make him a flex value. Uh, wide receivers. You can pick up any of the wide receivers. Christian Watson's probably, if he's out there. Romeo Dobbs is an interesting one because maybe he comes back and he's the guy as they use more of this play-action stuff and he's more the intermediate intermediate guy. He's a better route runner uh, and quality receiver right now than Christian Watson is, but Christian Watson's just a, a physical freak. Uh, tight ends, honestly, yeah. What do you do? Tunyon? No. All right, so next one, because I want to move kind of through this quickly. Uh, the Cardinals and the Rams. We all know what it is. The Rams, there's only one player on the entire Rams roster that you can start without any sort of question, and that is Cooper Cup. Tyler Higby fell off the map. 
Stafford, you're not touching with a 10-foot pole. None of these running backs you want to do anything with. The defense, the defense is variable. You can have them on your roster if you want to carry two defenses, but you're not starting them. Cardinals, defense. Streaming option only slash daily fantasy play. As far as the offense, Kyler Murray is a QB1 when he's back and healthy. Running back James Conner is a low-end RB2 slash uh, flex play. Um, DeAndre Hopkins is a wide receiver one uh, with, as far as a, a floor, his ceiling is not as high as someone like Justin Jefferson or anyone like that. Um, tight end, Zach Ertz, looks like he's probably going to be out for a while, so maybe you pick up Trey McBride, but in general, nah, son. And then the last game I want to discuss was the game last night, which honestly was ugly, and it should have been... This looked like what I expected. Um, I'll cook on it more in the next podcast with the Make Good Monday. Uh, that green law play, I didn't like the, the ejection call. I was fine with the personal foul call. I don't like the explanation from New York. I think that was a pathetic way to do it. And if that was as egregious as you say it was, why the hell was Justin Herbert back on the field? Basically because you want to sell a product and you really don't care as much about the players as you say you do. I'm not saying individuals. I'm saying as an entity, a monolith, because... If the dude got ejected for some sort of helmet-to-helmet contact, isn't his brain scrambled enough that you want to get him off the field? But we're far away from enough away from Tua where, again, optics don't matter. You don't give a crap. And he had a product to sell last night. But anyway, Charger side. You want Justin Herbert. I'll discuss that more in a second. Uh, you want Austin Eckler. Duh. Those wide receivers. Trade for the Andrew wide receivers, especially if the name is Mike Williams. Keenan Allen. Uh, Mike Williams, yes. You want to pick up, uh, if, if you don't have uh, the kid on the roster already, then you're not going to get him Joshua Palmer, but you might want to put DeAndre Carter on your roster in a deeper league, uh, especially if this persists. Um, and tight end Gerald Everett, look out for him. I have him in a league and he went down with an injury. Let's see how that comes to fruition. You're not starting to charge defense. Moving on to the 49ers. Their defense looked a little confused last night. Honestly, I was confused. It looked like coming out the bye week, they just weren't sharp, uh, to be candid. And it showed early on, but later they got going uh, as they started to get their, their uh, ducks in a row. Offensively, this is just going to be a super frustrating season for the rest of the people. And I'll go in order. Jimmy Garoppolo, you weren't starting unless you had to. I picked him up or traded for him just because I thought Josh Allen might not play. Um <clears throat> Running backs, Christian McCaffrey, you have to start, but he's more of an RB2 at this stage. Elijah Mitchell, he is a flex option in non-PPR leagues. That's it. Um, let's see, who else? Wide receivers, Debo Samuels. He is a wide receiver two slash wide receiver three for the rest of the season. Brandon Ayuk is a wide receiver three uh, for the rest of the season. Uh, George Kittle is a low-end tight end one. All right, so... Quickly touch on draft etiquette for a second, and then I want to get into these last little setups. So draft etiquette. I think when you're trying to do a, a, a trade etiquette, here's the thing. I've discussed this already on the show, but it's something that reared its ugly head with me again recently, and I had this, this issue with a group that I, I am part of that I might not want to be next season. Um, and it's less to do with fantasy football than just life in general. But when you make a trade with someone, you should never look to screw them, okay? You can situationally put them in a, a place like you offer up a trade that has you winning, but 
you still need to negotiate. And that's why you explain what you're doing. Um, so if you're going to make a trade, understand that. If you're going to counter, there's only two ways to do this. All right. This is just in general life. Number one, you decline the trade, just decline it. But if you're going to counter, don't be an asshole. Don't counter by making a ridiculous trade back. It actually speaks to you as a person, right? That's how five-year-olds behave. That's how children behave. No, you can just say no to something. But if you have to bring yourself to do that, where you counter with, oh, well, I mean, I'm willing to you know, give you my kicker for, um, let's say, Cooper Cup and uh, Chris McCaffrey. Man, just before you press send, realize how much of an a-hole you really look like and a pathetic person. Don't do that. Because what you need to do is realize this. When people suggest trades, one of two things. Either you know the person is an a-hole themselves and tries to get over on everyone in the world. Maybe you do that. Or just maybe the person was trying to negotiate with you and you've just turned off a person from ever trying to trade with you again. Because... Empathy goes a long way. If you put yourself in their position, realize people aren't trying to screw each other usually. They're probably trying to negotiate, which, again, it's hard to hit the hit the nail on the head with a 50-50 trade. 60-40, then you go back 60-40 the other way, and it's a negotiation to figure out what is a valuable thing to the other person. Because, again, no one's in any other person's mind. just want to get that out of the way. The major thing, don't be an asshole in a trade. If you are... You have lost a trade partner, sometimes forever. All right, so there's five teams I just want to mention real quick because of the upcoming schedule. See, I like to think ahead, and if I'm in a league where I have to win immediately, this matters less to me. But if I'm leaving this weekend five and five or better, hopefully better, this is the these are the moves I'm trying to make to move forward. So in order, there's five teams I think that you should look to to acquire their players. The first one are the Jets. The Jets have the following schedule for the rest of the season. They're at the Vikings, and uh, no, not the rest of the season, weeks 13 through 17. So 13, 14, 15, 16, 17. In most leagues, 15, 16, and 17 are going to be your playoffs. 13 and 14 are important because those are the weeks that get you in the playoffs, and some teams have buys. Okay, so be mindful of that with those late buys, especially week 14. All right, so the Jets, they're at the Vikings, at the Bills. Not ideal, but here's their playoff schedule. Home against the Lions, home against the Jaguars, at the Seahawks for the championship. You want to get those Jets running backs. I even made a trade to get Michael Carter. You want to get James Robinson as well. And in another league, I have both of those guys. Defense and special teams. The Jets' defense and special teams is doing well. And honestly, against high-flying teams like they face in Week 13 and 14, because of their back end, they should be very successful against. You want to get their wide receivers. Because, yes, a Garrett Wilson Jr. will start to get targets the more comfortable Zach Wilson gets. And Zach Wilson is a trade target as a number two quarterback. Because if you're able to get to the playoffs and anything A happens to, let's say, a Josh Allen, where they finally say, we're going to shut him down for a week or so, which is detrimental in fantasy football, you want to have a guy who's playing against the Lions, the Jaguars, even the Seahawks. So the Jets target all of their players. The next one, the Jags. The Jags are at the Lions, at the Titans, home against the Cowboys, at the Jets, at the Texans. So that's... 
That's that's a middle-of-the-pack situation, but they offer some good fantasy value, especially for the running back. If you're able to get Travis Etienne, if you're able to trade, let's say, a Christian McCaffrey for a Travis Etienne, trust me, it makes a lot of sense. Now, these are the last five weeks, right, of the season. Three playoff, two regular season. They have a bye, right, coming up. So that's the problem, is you can't trade for him if you need to get a win. So that's why you have to have a winning record so you can miss out on a week and do some fill. But if you get Travis Etienne down this stretch, oh lordy, you're looking good, especially in the championship weekend against the Texans. Wide receivers. Again, with the Cowboys having less of that pass rush affecting folks, um, the only teams that really scare me from a wide receiver standpoint are the Titans and the Jets. And with Christian Kirk being your target, he plays in the slot. That's where you can actually eat against those teams a little bit. And then the quarterback, again, Trevor Lawrence, they're using more of his legs. Fantasy is not just throwing the ball for quarterbacks. If you can produce with your legs, it's big. And again, having the Lions and the Texans on your schedule, not bad. Speaking of the Lions, their schedule, they're home against the Jags, home against the Vikings, at the Jets, at the Panthers, home against the Bears. It's not the best setup, but because of how the Lions are designed, you want to pursue their running back, especially Jamal Williams. That's someone you can probably coax out of folks. You're not going to get Swift, but I also don't want Swift unless for some reason someone's trying to give him away. All right. Wide receiver. Same thing. Amon Ross St. Brown. You want to target him. If and only if for some reason you're able to, you're in a deeper league and you're able to get someone to give you like uh, DJ Chark in case he comes back or you have a Josh Reynolds on your bench. This is some pretty good matchup scenarios for them. And even if you need to, Jared Goff is a streamer. Uh, Jerry Goff played decent football outdoors against the Bears. And in the championship, if you need him, that's not a bad situation to have. Next up, the Falcons. The Falcons schedule is not easy, but they have a bye in week 14, as we discussed. But I mean, uh, week 13, as we discussed, having those bye, uh, 14, sorry. So week 13, they ha- they're home against the Steelers. Then they have a bye. And then the playoffs, they are the Saints, Ravens, and against the Cardinals. Now, why this is important is because their running back situation is an oddity and it's very annoying. But if you're able to get Drake London out of some folks, I think Drake London can have a good day against the Saints, against the Ravens, and against the Cardinals in a situation where they're going to have to throw the ball more than they want to. Go get Drake London. Now, as far as Kyle Pitts, Saints don't do uh, do well against the tight end. Saints do do well against the tight end. But if Kyle Pitts is able to be given to you, he can eat against the Ravens and especially the Cardinals in that championship game. That might be the Kyle Pitts breakout game of the season simply because, again, I think against those teams, they'll have to throw the ball more than they want to. And their defense special teams against an opportunistic scenario against the Steelers, the Saints, and the Cardinals could be a good place. And then the final one is the Los Angeles Chargers. Again, these five teams are the ones you want to target for trading with folks. Their final schedule, and it's one of the easiest in the NFL and easy on the eyes in some respects. At the Raiders, home against the Dolphins, home against the Titans, at the Colts, home against the Rams. You want Justin Herbert in those games. Listen, just looking at that schedule, the Raiders give up a bunch of points, fantasy points to the opposing quarterback. Dolphins, the Dolphins will allow you to pass on them if you're an adept passer. The Titans, while their front is really good, he can drop the ball off to Austin Eckler all day and get fantasy value out of that. Colts, same thing. They'll shell up 
but then you might be able to get him over the top on one or two. And then the Rams, if they, their initial rush doesn't get there via Aaron Donald, you can take advantage of the Rams. You also want their wide receivers. Trade for Mike Williams if you can, just to get him on your roster. You'll probably not have to give up something too valuable to get him. And then that stretch in the fantasy playoffs should be really good for him. And the tight end, Gerald Everett, is a tight end you want to trade for again. He might also be in a situation where you can trade for him pretty easily and get over in a situation where someone might need a tight end immediately. You might be able to sit there because you're sitting there eight and two. You might say, I can get Gerald Everett on the roster. That's the only weakness I had was tight end and I traded away a Greg Doltich, something like that. All right, so those are the five teams that you should target to get guys in trade, especially, again, I would say, don't try to trade with folks. Don't initiate a trade if you don't have at least a 500 record or a winning record when this week is done. Five and five is the lowest record you can have. If you do, then you can reach out to some folks. They might need to get a win. They might give you more of a value on certain things. Obviously, you're not trying to screw people. You're not trying to say, hey, again, um, I'm willing to send you Tyler Algier for uh, your Jonathan Taylor. Nothing like that. Don't be, don't be an asshole. Um, but you want to reach out, see if you can do some things. If you're in a three and seven situation or something like that, where you have to get these W's up and in one league, I will actually be three and seven when this, this week's done. It's a league I won last year. Oddly enough, I've just had bad luck. Try drafting Jamar Chase. Uh, what was my setup? It was like Jamar Chase. I can't remember my running back off the top of my head. Um, but then it was, uh, James Connor and, uh, Kyle Pitts, I have to look it up, but my top four picks, I'm pretty certain, all have been out for either at least three games this season or have been Kyle Pitts. So I'm just in a bad situation there. Oh, no, it's Travis Etienne. Sorry. Travis Etienne was my my other pick. So, and I traded away. I got Chris McCaffrey. Anyway, going too far in depth. But those are the five teams you should uh, target the schedules of those teams because I think you can get some good value in the playoffs and down the stretch run, especially if you have a winning record. All right, folks, I'm hoping that this week was uh, helpful for you. Again, going to get in a normal cadence, doing my rankings and stuff like that later in the week uh, for this Fantasy Football Friday upcoming. But this was an off-schedule one. Again, it's my show. It's my brand. I can do what I want to. But I hope you enjoyed the content, folks. Until the next show, take care, enjoy your week, and give yourself a break. Sometimes you need to sit on the couch in your living room watch football or even a Disney movie and just hang out because you need the relaxation. All right. Bye-bye.